Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Yeah, the offseason has begun, dude, and we have Sharks news, we have trades, we have draft picks, we have a re-signings of players, we have uncertainty, we have bewilderment, we have gossip. Dude, we're back! We have Jordan Haugbogwaks. Hal Halbgavox. That's a great name. Great name. What? Jordan Halbgavox. We resigned him, dude. Two years. He's in he plays for the Barracuda. Dude, that would he would have been at the bottom of who I wanted to talk to. But he does have the about. best name of anybody we're gonna talk about today. No, disagree. What? Best name of the person that we're gonna talk about? Ozzy Weisblatt. All right. No all right. question. Okay. Best name okay. for I, sure. I yield. That You're right. You're right. And, and not as cool as Maverick Bork. <laughs> Maverick Bork. We saw the draft in person, dude. We wore masks. We sat in your backyard and we watched the draft. And for reasons that were fairly easy... To explain, we wanted Maverick Bork because, I mean, if your name's Maverick Bork, you'd think it'd be good, right? Yeah. And then there was the other, there was the defenseman, William Wasserman or whatever. Sounded like Braveheart almost. Yeah. We were looking for the player on their draft board, their best names at that point, right? J.J. Petralka or whatever, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, And the Sharks go completely off the draft board. And they draft someone with a really cool name, Ozzy Weisblatt. Yeah. Um, I, you know, certainly am not going to pretend that I know anything about any of the nine forwards that the Sharks drafted. Nine forwards. Um, If that doesn't tell you anything about what the Sharks think of their young forwards. (laughs) um, They completely restocked and are hoping that maybe a third of them pan out. Yeah, right? I guess it doesn't say a whole lot for the aforementioned Jaden Halgbavox. <laughs> well, a lot of these kids here were that got drafted are three, four years away from you know playing at the NHL. Of course, uh, especially uh, Ozzy Weisblatt, who yeah. Yeah. you know. Uh, you know, it seems like he's 17 years old, right? So, right. yeah. Um, but uh, a cool story, a memorable moment, dude, uh, that uh, certainly uh, left an impression on his family and the hockey community with Doug Wilson Jr. signing mm-hmm. the draft uh, pick uh, to uh, the broadcast, which is, you know, for Ozzy Weisblatt's mom, I believe. That's right. Who's deaf. Is that correct? I'm, that's that's my information, and I thought that was a, a pretty classy move, and a lot of people were talking about that. It looked like Craig Button even got a little misty on the telecast yeah. there. And it certainly tells you that this was who they wanted. This is who they wanted all along. Yeah. 
they wanted this player or Doug Wilson Jr. wasn't going to take the time to learn how to sign his name. Like, the, you know, they wanted this player. This is who they wanted. All, all the good and heartwarming stories aside, dude, I must inject a slight amount. Not that I am at all qualified to evaluate whether Ozzie Weisblatt is, is going to be a great player or not a great player at all. He was not, I think, you know, the way that the, the broadcast worked is they would have eight or ten of the highest rated picks for any given position uh, as the draft went on. And Ozzie Weisblatt was not on that list. Like, they went off the board. Um, you know, they, you know, Bob McKenzie's draft and, and some of the other guys who, you know, do this kind of research up to the draft, he was not mentioned by anybody when the Sharks picked at number 31, Ozzie Weisblatt. Now, I don't really know what to think of that. It seems to be the Sharks kind of do that a lot. And honestly, the Sharks haven't had great drafts that recently. So I have to think that's part of it, not to knock this kid in any way. I mean, I don't know him. I don't know him from anybody. But but the fact is, it, it does make me a little uncomfortable to have a community of people whose job it is to rate young hockey players and the Sharks don't agree with any of them. I don't know. It just makes me feel a little weird about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, in the moment, uh, we were both uh, disappointed, I suppose, that uh, you saw players that the so-called pundits, uh, you know, believed to be better picks. And honestly, I mean, the Sharks didn't pick those players when they had the opportunity. Some of them, uh, you know, just a few picks later. That's right. You know, so... Uh, they certainly had a plan and they executed it and didn't seem to have a lot of interest necessarily in like you, you got to think that they could have had Ozzy Weisblatt in that early second round pick, like, and they could have taken one of these other players. Um, but that's not what they did, dude. I will agree with you. I felt uncomfortable about that. I do like that they were able to get a large quantity of players to add to their system. Uh, Corey Pronman, who I think we both respect, gave their draft a B minus. I mean, that's not uh, exciting. <laughs> well, what was your reaction but, to that rating? My reaction was, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I think my when you when you look at typically they they get a C. They got a C last year, so B minus, dude. That is uh, that is better uh, than a C. They, they didn't even have a first round draft pick last year, dude. No, I know. Well, dude, I mean, I I, I don't know. Uh, Are you honestly trying not, to spin I, a B minus as a good thing? Dude, for I'm the not Sharks? trying. No, I think we're we're both admitting we were disappointed. We were disappointed and confused in the moment. We both said a lot of words that shouldn't be repeated. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't understand you through your mask anyways, but right. it was, uh, you know, uh, dude, it was still fun. We had a good time uh, watching everybody pick ahead of us. Uh, so, so happy for Ottawa. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. We were all your picks. Thrilled, thrilled. And, uh, you know, the draft is behind us. Sharks, nine new players entering the system at all sorts of different levels. Uh, some of them will not be uh, sniffing our formal program anytime soon we won't get to go and enjoy seeing any of the prospects at the prospect camp or anything like that 
but we can certainly start to monitor more young players, which is something that the Sharks just don't have a lot of right now. So Mm -hmm. um, that part of it is good. Um, Free agency started on Friday, but the Sharks did execute the two trades that we were expecting before free agency started. Uh, They pulled the trigger before the draft even. They, the, the deals were separated, which I, I don't know why, but uh, they were separated, dude. And the Sharks get forward Ryan Donato in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick. Thoughts? Ryan Donato is a bottom six forward, and which is exactly the kind of player that the Sharks need right now. Let's... I, I think Doug Wilson probably oversold them a little bit, which is exactly what you would expect a general manager to do once they acquire a player. Oh, this guy's got a ton of upside, all this stuff. That's great. I have, I have no problem with Ryan Donato as a player. I hope he slots in in the third line or fourth line and is extremely uh, versatile and contributes a lot. But let's be frank, he's not going to be a solution to a major scoring issue, which I believe the Sharks still have. So um, let's not pretend Ryan Donato is going to slot next to Evander Kane here. And let's not put that kind of pressure on a player. That's, that's not what their role is. So do, and it is the, the pick that the Sharks got in the Patrick Marlowe trade. So essentially the Sharks got Ryan Donato for essentially free. So I have no problem with that whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there was another trade, which was sure. Well, I mean, just to wrap up, Ryan Donato. I mean, I think he had a real knack for scoring even strength goals last year for the Minnesota Wild, which is something the Sharks really struggled with. So, um, if we can get some even strength goal scoring out of our bottom six, especially on the third line, um, that's a win. So, I think you're you know adding Ryan Donato on a reasonable deal. He's a, he's a real NHL player. There's no question about that. Right. Uh, I do think you're right. Managing expectations is important, but uh, he is better than any of the in-house alternatives that they had and better than some of the unrestricted free agent players that they're letting walk. So I say good move. Good move. Cool. Yeah. The other trade, yeah, uh, which was for goalie Devin Dubnik, and the Sharks get a seventh rounder in 2022 for a fifth round pick in 2022. So we're we're uh, two drafts away now, where the Sharks are trading bottom picks, essentially getting Devin Dubnik for nothing, right. And clearing cap space for Minnesota to sign the juggernaut that is Cam Talbot, which just uh, I, I laughed when when I saw that that's what Bill Guerin wanted to clear his cap space for was that he wanted to make a three-year multi-million dollar commitment to Cam Talbot. But uh, good for you, <laughs> good job, yeah, uh, Bill Guerin. But anyways. Um, the Sharks get their platoon goalie uh, for Martin Jones. Plus side, dude, both of these goalies were Vesna finalists in the last four years. Yeah. Downside, dude, both these goalies were two of the worst goalies in the NHL last year. That's right. 
That's right. And the I think his cap hit is four million dollars or so, but the Wild are assuming half of it. So the Sharks don't have a huge cap hit here. But when you look at other goaltenders that have gone, um, you know, Dubnik's got one year left on his deal. This isn't a long-term commitment for the Sharks. I think it's pretty clear they're using him to push Martin Jones and to give him, you know, a real scare in terms of with Aaron Dell in that, I guess it was never that, that obvious Although that's something Bugner did do to his credit is to really push Martin Jones and say, hey, we're going to start Dell if you're you're not playing very well. And I think to have Devin Dubnik is going to put even more pressure on Martin Jones, which is a good thing. As we've mentioned so many times when James Reimer was in town, that's when Jones had his best season for the Sharks. So that that seems to be what the Sharks are angling for, which is all well and good. My flip side is there are other goaltenders that have been signed and I'm not talking about the Matt Murray's of the world who are looking to be starting goaltenders. You got a four-year deal from, from Ottawa, but there are a couple of goaltenders that did not sign for a lot of money. And I wonder if a goaltender like that would have provided the same amount of pressure as Devin Dubnik. I, I don't, you know, you think Henrik Lundqvist signed for a year in one point five million? Like, why, why do we do that? What's what's the big deal? Well, I mean, Henrik Lundqvist may have had no interest in coming to the West Coast, too. I mean, we, we don't know that. I mean, he didn't exactly go very far. Mike and Mike Smith, one year, two million. Mike Smith, dude. Mike Smith. He's cheaper. Barely. Yeah, dude. Barely. I like Mike Smith because he likes to fight. Like that, that, that's exciting. Yeah. But listen, I, I get it. I, I get it. I get this uh, from, I think, Doug Wilson, to his credit, had a read on what this market was going to be like. Because you look at the players that he may have targeted. Okay, Cam Talbot. He got three years, $11 million. That's ridiculous. No way. No. No way. All right. I don't want anything to do with that. Okay, uh, let's look at Thomas uh, Grice. R- Thomas Grice got he got two years and set over seven million dollars, seven point two. Yep. I mean, in a t- bigger in, cap hit in total. I mean, I yep. think I think you know, in theory, that's not a terrible deal, right? But still, I mean, obviously, he didn't want to make that kind of commitment. To another goalie, Corey Crawford got two years, seven point eight million. Yep. No, no way. I mean, I'm not interested. Like he's not Braden Holpe. Two years, eight point six million. Right. I mean, he 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 couldn't even be the number one guy. In they didn't even want him to be the number one guy in Washington anymore. And now Vancouver loses Markstrom, and now they're going with Holpe. Yikes. I mean, like, so you go, okay, well, we got a year of Devin Dubnik at, you know, two something, two something. And then if it works out, then you can, you know, maybe if he regains his form, which, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, discussion about the distractions that were part of his life last year due to some, you know, medical issues that his wife was having and, that he has been one of the most um, most games played of any NHL goalie over the last several seasons. 
I mean, maybe this can be a reclamation project here. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. And and that the gamble is significantly less than having to make a three year commitment to Cam Talbot. Like that mm-hmm. sounds terrible, right? Right. Right. And you know, and some of these other guys who are still out there. You know, I mean, I guess you could have waited it out and see it, saw who didn't get a deal and then take the guy who's left, which looks like that's Jimmy Howard. Right. Like, okay. Yeah, he's on the outside or, looking in right now. Is he? I mean, like, I, I got to look and see if... Uh, if I, I don't think he's signed. Anyways, dude, I mean, like, now that... Listen, we, we're not excited about this, right? I mean, like, I'm, I'm not excited about <laughs> I'm it. I'm not excited about it. Of but course, I like, want him to play well. I want there seen... to be actual competition at the goaltending position. I don't want to see uh, Martin Jones throw up a, a 8.95 save percentage and the Sharks brass and the coaching staff just go like, well, that's what we get. You know, at least there's somebody else that we can throw in there that has had a distinguished... Uh, a real career as an NHL goaltender, a starting NHL goaltender that I would hope the coaching staff would have zero hesitation to put in if Martin Jones wasn't playing well. So at least we have that. That's something we couldn't say necessarily about Aaron Dell. At least we have that in Devin Dubnik. It is what it so, is. It, you look at who's left, right? Craig Anderson. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have Craig Anderson on a one year, $2 million deal or Devin Dubnik? I think I'd rather have Craig Anderson. Yeah, probably. Although, All you right. know, he's 39 or 40, isn't he? He is 39 years old. I mean, we're talking about one year, right? Um, Jimmy Howard at 36. One of the worst statistical... I mean, this... Oh, my Lord. I mean, his stats are so horrible. But that's From Detroit. Year, he Detroit's, was on a terrible team. Yeah, the worst. All right? The worst. Ryan, Ryan Miller. You know, these are not good... These are, these are not... Good. And then you know who else is still out there who has not signed and nobody seems to want? Aaron Dell. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, the Sharks are going to roll with Dubnik and uh, Dubnik and Martin Jones. And I guess you just uh, cross your fingers, put the blindfold on, and jump off the bridge, dude. Here we go. <laughs> I, I guess so, dude. And, and yet that may not be the most controversial Sharks move since our last podcast, that might go towards the re-signing of Kevin LeBanc, who signed at a term and an amount that I think made both of our jaws drop. Kevin LeBanc signed for four years at $4.725 million per year. This is a guy who I, I did not have a good year last year, had a 50-some-odd point season the year before, and Doug Wilson called a 60-point player a guy who has never scored 60 points. I don't know, man. I, I look at this deal and I say, okay, this, this is clearly the, the handshake deal that the Sharks made with Kevin LeBanc a year ago when he signed the one-year, $1 million deal. They said, okay, we'll take care of you next year. And I guess they're making good on that promise. That's That's the only thing I can... I can say about this, it it doesn't certainly seem to be related to his performance level, which makes me very uneasy. No, I mean, they can try and, you know, sell us a half-eaten sandwich as much as they want, dude. But I think we know the truth here is that 
You know, Doug Wilson had a choice. He could either go back on his word and have the entire dressing room know that he went back on his word. And, you know, this deal, I'm sure, in framework was already agreed to. And they would all know that Doug Wilson was a dirty welcher, right? Yeah, right. And, or he can honor his deal with Kevin LeBanc, which is a, a contract that he did not earn last year. It's a huge difference in the 56 points and the dominant game seven power play performance where he saw, saw him basically be involved in every single one of those goals yeah. when the Sharks came back versus his 33 performance, 33 point performance last year where he was like a minus 70. I mean, like it was terrible. So um, him coming in at 4.7 million on a cap hit, which, you know, according to the article, I think from Kevin Kurz is, you know, uh, one site projected his contract to be maybe at 3.5. So to basically be like almost like a full, like, 30% higher than the projection also makes me feel like this was already agreed to. Why would you overpay for someone who underperformed? Dude, here here's a comp that I'm going to I'm going to throw at you, okay? So, I'm just looking up and down these contracts that were sold. I'm looking for another forward that was signed for a, a, a similar amount of money and I come across Andre Burakovsky who signed with the Colorado Avalanche. He signed a two-year deal for $4.9 million per year, which is more than LeBanc got, but albeit for less term. Andre Burkowski had 20 goals and 25 assists last year for 45 points in 58 games. You know, this is, I think, what Doug Wilson is hoping Kevin LeBanc to have. If, If we assume that that's the level at which Kevin LeBanc can produce... I guess it seems in line. Burkowski's 2018-2019 season, a 25-point season in 76 games for the Washington Capitals. He had a 25-point season for the Washington Capitals the year before that, albeit in fewer games. He had a 35-point season the year before that. I mean, Andre Burkowski's not going to be competing for the Hart Trophy anytime soon, and yet the Colorado Avalanche gave him essentially a very similar deal to Kevin LeBanc. Does this make you feel any better? Uh, no, no. Uh, but, dude, I mean, the thing is, look, there's LeBanc, when, if LeBanc can be the best that he can be, right? Which I think we saw two years ago, what we hope is Kevin LeBanc, which is a high 50s, very skilled player, right? If he can do that, if he can be of, in the mid 50s, then this contract doesn't stink, right? Uh-huh. If he is going to be second on the team in penalty minutes again, and uh, or sorry, in in taking penalties, yeah, and be lead the team in minus and score under fifteen goals, this is a garbage deal. Another long term bad deal that the Sharks have. Uh, I don't feel good about it, but I don't, I'm not giving up on Kevin LeBanc. Like, I mean, I think right. Kevin LeBanc has a ton of potential to be a really good player for this team. And you just hope that he, it, he can live up to it because last year he 
he it almost almost like he felt the pressure of trying to I don't know what like I mean I you would think the pressure would be all off him I guess but you know Timo Meyer after he signed the big deal he stunk yeah yeah well so, Kevin LeBanks only twenty four years old usually projections state that peak years are between twenty five and twenty eight so hopefully the best years of Kevin LeBanc are ahead of him. You're right, but this is a hope. This is not a plan. Uh, if Kevin LeBanc puts in another year that's anywhere close to what he did last year, then yes, this is a, a, another albatross of a contract that's hanging around the neck of Doug Wilson. Well, I mean, all I can say is he's a man of his word, and I hope that that goes a long way in the dressing room and around the league to players who are maybe future Sharks, that they know that LeBanc did the Sharks a major solid last year, and Doug Wilson could have turned around and discarded him, you know, non-tendered him. Like, I mean, like he could have yeah. done all these things. Because on the open market, there's no way he would have got this deal. Agreed. You look at who else has signed, there, there's very few comparables. A lot. There's a lot of guys that got signed since free agency opened, and very few of them got a lot of money. It's a, it's a really interesting thing. Usually you see free agency open and you see these big names and these long deals and all of this money. And you look at the list, you see Matt Irwin, 700000 You see Nick Cousins, a million and a half. You see Zach Ronaldo for 700000 You see Stefan Nason, another shark re-signed, probably for around the 700000 to a million range, although we don't have that information. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who are in that strata of salary, which is something that is very surprising. And and there have been no uh, very, very, very few long-term deals. Like you said, Markstrom, uh, the goalie signed with Calgary for six years. But even some of these really good players that got a lot of money, the one that popped today, Taylor Hall signed for one year only. Can you imagine? I mean, obviously we are dealing with a world uh, situation, a societal situation that is unlike others. But uh, seeing a top flight forward like Taylor Hall sign for one year only is uh, nothing less than shocking, honestly. And he signed with a team that's also shocking. He signed with the Buffalo Sabres. It's like, oh, okay. Taylor Hall, one year, $8 million for the Buffalo Sabres. Sure. Sounds good. Weird. It's, yeah. It's very weird. They signed the a lot of guys, year. the Sabres did. They signed Cody Eakin. They signed a bunch of guys. Yeah. I mean, it's strange, right? I mean, you see Alex Petrangelo seems to be on the verge of a long-term deal with the Vegas Golden Knights, right? You know, It appears that they're going to go with Petrangelo. It appears that they're going to trade Nate Schmidt. The rumor is he's headed to Florida. They just signed him to a big, to a to a six year deal last year, I think, and now they're going to dump him to bring yep. in Petrangelo, which is an upgrade for sure. But I mean, but that's not going to be a good contract for Vegas in a few years. That's going to be a bad contract, you know, whatever they end up giving him. So um, we haven't seen, you know. The fact that no one was willing to give that to Taylor Hall is weird. I mean, isn't yeah. isn't that that weird? I mean, because because people Markstrom got a long term deal, uh, and 
Petrangelo got a long-term deal. Krug got a long-term deal. No one wanted to give Taylor Hall a, a deal. Like yeah, that is that is weird. Maybe, but maybe that was on him. You know, maybe he's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to put roots anywhere because the market obviously is so, uh, you know, in such a weird place right now that you know he may not, he's not going to be able to get the eleven, twelve million dollar deal that maybe a Taylor Hall would normally get in previous years. He's like, you know what, I'm just going to take the one year and then hopefully a lot of these things uh, sort of iron themselves out in the next 12 months, and then he can really go to a team he wants to stay at long-term for a really big dollar amount. Because $8 million was the biggest deal that I've seen here uh, on the sure. list, which is yeah. you know a little bit surprising considering there's a lot of guys out there making a lot more money than that, and Taylor Hall is by far the best player available. I mean, for Buffalo, this is a no-brainer, right? I mean, there's been rumblings that Jack Eichel's unhappy. Now you're going to have Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall playing together? I mean, like, that's... That's huge for them. Um, if they can both stay healthy, uh, that could be a fun combination. And for Taylor Hall, I mean, I guess, you know, Buffalo is kind of a crap team, right? But if you can play with Jack Eichel and that, you know, he could statistically have a really, really nice year. So um, you have a great time losing 45 games, but scoring 85 sure, points. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, he loves to lose. He doesn't know anything else. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, there you have it, dude. There you have it. Um, uh, Stefan Nason is the big other, uh, re-signee, you know, the Sharks part ways with all their other, uh, free agents, um, and, uh, you know, and have decided to keep Nason, who I think we liked as a, a fourth line player. Uh, usually the Sharks just let these guys go. I'm glad that they found a way to keep him, uh, because, he played with a little bit of edge. He was physical, uh, chipped in some even strength goals. I, I don't mind Stefan Nason, dude. Not at all. Not at all. He's exactly uh, as advertised. And I, I don't know any Sharks fans that don't like him. So I think there's nothing wrong with keeping a guy like Stefan Nason because, as you said, there have been so many periods in the last few years where there have been these holes on the fourth line with no one obvious to fill them. You don't want to fill them with a a very young but highly skilled uh, player that you're not sure if he's NHL ready yet and you plug him into the fourth line and play him eight minutes because reasons. I mean, Stefan Nason, you know exactly what you're getting and you can put him in the game for 13 or 14 minutes on the fourth line and be totally comfortable. And if there's anything the Sharks don't have a lot of, it's those kinds of players right now. Uh, so, you know, obviously, you know, we can talk about Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton, which, you know, there's $2.99 million left of cap space, which is incredibly convenient uh, when you consider that's probably about how much it would cost to bring both of them back. But uh, the other part of this that I think that needs to be discussed is it's been reported that the Sharks are looking to add a veteran defenseman, uh, someone who can come in and uh, you know, compete with Jacob Middleton for that sixth spot. It will not be Tim Heed, you know. Yeah. Uh, so who, and it will not be uh, Prute, right? Yeah. So when you look at who's still out there, dude, I mean, is there, you know, we're talking about somebody on on the cheap, right? We're talking of about, uh, you know, the Sharks are not going to be making a play for, so Daniel Chara, right, who's a unrestricted <laughs> free agent. They're not going to be making a play for Petrangelo, right? Of course not. Uh, we're looking at players here who are, you know, probably in the 
uh, lower end of salary yet have some sort of NHL experience. So let me throw out a couple names to you. Former Shark, not qualified, Mirko Mueller. <laughs> Why not? Give him another round. Whoa. A round for everybody, bartender. Let's I do it like again. It. Wow, I'm, I'm totally shocked. <laughs> I love that you're you're willing to give him another chance. Um, okay. Actually, Let's, actually, one one player that I like a, a lot. Actually, let me let me throw a player that I was really surprised that was not um, yet another Minnesota Wild player. I believe. Uh, let me just check. But um, oh, actually, no. Sorry, this is uh, he was part of the. Um, I was mistaken with somebody else, but he was part of the recent bloodbath going on in Chicago. Um, a lot of Chicago players are not real happy about the guys that are leaving, but there's a guy that I like, Slater Cuckoo. I think Slater Cuckoo is a pretty good defenseman. I think we could, you know, he played half the games for Chicago. I don't know. He's got a lot of energy. I kind of like that guy as a player. Any any reaction to that name at all, dude? Slater Cuckoo, dude. Really? I mean, I, I'm no? looking... I, well, I, I got to tell you, I don't even know who that is. I what? think you've made that up. I think you made up Slater Cuckoo. All right, yeah. dude. I don't. Is he a free agent? Yeah, he's a free agent. He's oh, a free, they, they didn't. They didn't qualify him. The Blackhawks wow. didn't qualify. Well, maybe he's already signed with somebody. He's a guy I would take a look at. I don't see him on the list. That's Slater. That's way off the board. Cap friendly has what? him in Slater the, number twenty. Cuckoo? They have him number twenty six right now. No qualifying offer. He's a UFA. He made nine twenty five last year, probably on his rookie deal because he was a Gosh, good... I don't see him at all, dude. Oh. I'm on cap friendly too. I don't see him. Dude, okay, so let's let's talk more about some of these higher names that maybe some of our fans would have heard of. Is there anybody that, that jumps out at you right now, other than of course Slater Cuckoo? <laughs> um Cody CC, dude, he seemed to have played yeah, for no, half the teams no. in the Eastern Conference. No, 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 no. Um, well, I mean, there, there's players that, I mean, you just don't know what they're going to end up signing with, you know? Uh, I don't know why a player like Andy Green would want to come to the Sharks and be the sixth defenseman when you would think he might want to try and win, but uh, that does sort of fit the... Uh, description of what the Sharks seem to be looking for. A veteran player who would probably play on a one-year deal and probably wouldn't be that expensive, although he might be more expensive than what the Sharks can afford. But Andy Green, what do you think about that name? Yeah, I I have exactly the same reaction as you, dude. Um, I don't see why he would necessarily come to the Sharks, but that's fine. Um but well, we're going to see a lot of these types of players get really squeezed in this market, right? For, like for we're sure. going to see these types of players. Okay, how about Trevor Daly? Tre- I think Trevor Daly has really, like, he's really tailed off over the last couple of years. If you ask me this in 2018, I might be more into Trevor Daly. But this is a guy who was a everyday NHL player two years ago, and then all of a sudden he had a lot of trouble getting into the lineup. I don't. I don't know if I like that so much. I mean, if this is a, a player that has difficulty with the current speed of the game, that's not really the direction I would want to be going, honestly. Well, then that, I, I have a lot of respect for him as a player, but I don't know about right now. Well, I, then I suppose you don't want to talk about Derek England. No, I don't want to talk about Derek <laughs> England. 
I, w- okay. I would much rather take a flyer on maybe a younger player that would be able to, you know, hang in. I mean, I don't understand why Travis Hamanick isn't signed. Well, okay, well that was exact. That is exactly who I was just going to talk about. Now we know Travis Hamanick, and we don't know the details, right? But he forced a trade from the Islanders because of some sort of family issue, yes, right, right? Right. And he ended up in Calgary, and then he, you know, ended up not. I don't think he even went to the bubble, right? Like, I mean, I think they're yeah. Ended up not. I don't know. Something happened there, and now he's gone unrestricted. And I don't know what his family situation is like or what's going on with him, but if you could get Travis Hamanick on a one-year cheap deal, uh, also similar to you know Taylor Hall without the money. Listen, you know, make good. This guy used to be a top two defenseman. Yeah, yeah, dude. What about Carl Alsner? Because this guy couple years ago played all 82 games for the Montreal Canadiens. He's not a he's not going to put a lot of points on the board. That wasn't I don't think a very great team in Montreal, but basically he went to the AHL in the last couple of years. He's only 31 years old. Unless there's something physically wrong with Carl Alsner, I would want to take a look. This guy was a a stalwart NHL defenseman for several years and I don't really know why he fell off the table. I'd kick the tires. Yeah, uh, that's a, a good question, dude. I mean, he's uh, really fallen out of favor, right? I mean, I, I don't know. He's really fallen out of favor, and I don't understand why. Maybe there's a very good reason. I just don't know what it is. But, you know, I'd much rather take a look at Carl Alsner than a guy like Ron Hainsey, for instance, who did play sixty, sure. who did play 64 games in the league last year. But at 39 years old, I don't know if I want a piece of Ron Hainsey right now. What about Ben Hutton? I don't know enough about Ben Hutton to even know what to say. How about if I told you Ben Hutton was a plus five for the LA Kings last year? That's got to be <laughs> the only I mean, the only plus player on the Kings. I mean, the, I also don't know enough about Ben Hutton, but it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I can't imagine that the Sharks aren't going to bring in another defenseman to compete with this group of defensemen, which, let's be honest, doesn't have a great track record for being a consistent and b probably most importantly healthy they've got a couple guys in there in shimmick and milker carlson who uh, don't have a great track record for being on the ice in the last two seasons so you've got to bring in a a legitimate nhl defenseman otherwise you're going to end up playing a bunch of barracudas and we know how that's going to go right no you're right I'm seeing a sorry that that just okay that's just a a blip. I was I saw a name Mikhail Sergachev on the list and I'm like what? Mikhail no, no. Sergachev well, I mean, available? No, no. Well, I mean these there's some I mean Vince Dunn, there's some RFAs here that yeah, are okay, okay. you know really strong players but those guys are on like, like Anthony D'Angelo. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean uh, sharks can't afford to sign any of those guys in the first place, but second, they're they're all restricted. Yeah, okay. I was just I was just confused there for a second. Okay. There's, I mean, another player that's on there is is, is Sammy Vatnin. I mean, I like Sammy Vatnin as a player. Um, I would think he would get more money than the Sharks would be able to give out. He's coming off almost a five million dollar multi year deal, but some of these players might completely fall through the cracks. That's right. So if you're Doug Wilson, do you just wait? Oh yeah, Do you wait and see 
what happens. And that might be, now that we're talking through this, Marlo and Thornton, that might not happen for a long time because they're probably going to wait to see if they can get another defenseman. That's right. That's right. I think that's I think that's true. I mean, he could be one of those guys. He had 23 points last year for the Devils. I mean, that's a pretty good output for a defenseman that's not considered to be offensive. Um, you know, way back in the day, he had more than that. He had, you know, 9 and 12 goals for the Ducks, but that's not really his style anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a that's a player. If you could get for one or two million dollars, you would be thrilled. But again, the Sharks are up against the cap, and you don't want to be the first team to lowball Sammy Vatnin, right? Because you you know he made five million dollars last year. You offer him a million and a half or two million, and he says, "Get out of here! Yeah, I don't want any right. part of that." And then no one calls for three months, and then you yeah. know the Winnipeg Jets come and offer him two million dollars, and he goes, "I'll take it," you know, because he's not going because he's <laughs> right. not going to work. So right. you don't want to be right. the first team to offer him that, right? You want to right. hang out and see what's going on. You're right. I mean, I think that. That for a player like that, um, uh, the there's an opportunity to, you know, maybe you know reestablish your value on the market, right? We've talked about this with a few of these guys, where you you could come to the Sharks and you could probably play 18 minutes, right? Like, yeah, you probably play 18 minutes if you're if you're playing well, right? You know, you you could. Uh, you know, really see some quality ice time and maybe reestablish your market value outside of a pandemic free agency. So maybe there is an opportunity for, you know, a player like that to come in and that would allow Ferraro and Shimmick to really be the third pairing. And then you allow Vatnin to be playing second pairing minutes. I mean, he can handle that. Yep. Well, dude, there's still a lot of uncertainty with the Sharks, but as you said, there's not a lot of room to move right now. Um, with LeBanc and Ryan Donato in the fold, there's still plenty of question marks about this forward core. Cap Friendly has a lot of guys that are, you know, not true NHL players here listed. Alex True, Shellman, um, anti Suomela, you know, like this, this seems crazy, but I mean, this is, might be who the sharks are rolling with. It looks like Marcus Sorensen, Stefan Nason, Leanne Bergman, and Noah Gregor are all going to be on the club for good. I mean, I, I think that's the situation we're looking at here. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, it, it, and you know, you want to take Doug Wilson and his word. I mean, he's saying they're not going to be investing in long-term deals with free agents because he wants to give the young players a chance. We know what happened last year when he did that. He ended up signing Patrick Marlowe, you know, eight games into the year. Right. Because the young players were so bad. So um, are we just going to be looking at the same situation again? You know, Pete DeBoer had no patience for that, right? Is Bob Booger going to have patience for that when some of these guys are really struggling? Or are they just going to end up, we're going to have the Barracuda train again where they're just going up and down, up and down because they just get two games to try and get it right. Like... Either you got to do that and let them play and figure it out, or you just got to go with veterans. Because you're right, the cap-friendly number, it's a little misleading because I think some of these guys can be sent down and you could replace their cap hit with a veteran that you can sign on the minimum. Yep. Example, Patrick Marlowe, right? You see Noah Gregor counting against the cap. You can send him down and have Marlowe take his cap space, right? So will the Sharks do that? Will they be signing veterans off the, you know, the unwanted free agency heap, you know, 
Uh, maybe. Uh, or will they be letting the young guys play? I think that's probably more likely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, uh, the, I think the question is, is that, is, is Doug Wilson still believing the fact that the Sharks are going to compete here? Or is he going to be quiet because he doesn't want to rope the Sharks into even more long-term deals or, or commitments that may not pan out? And that, I mean, you can't look at this roster now and say this is a playoff team or a team that's going to be maybe a playoff team, but a team that's contending for the Stanley Cup. I mean, we had a, a, a score of different players the year the Sharks went to the finals, and, and it, it doesn't stack up uh, if you look at the current roster. I mean, I think the, the biggest problem is the, you know, the goaltending and roster depth, right? Which is a big problem. I mean, the, those are big problems. But the Sharks, on, on the upper end of the talent, I mean, they're there. I think they are there with the rest of the, of the division. I mean, I think they have, you know, the same upper level talent. I mean, they still have on paper two of the top 10 defensemen on the NHL when they are playing to their ability, dude. I mean, you look at, you know, the LA Kings, they're going to be bad, right? The Anaheim Ducks, they're going to be bad. The Arizona Coyotes, they're going to be worse, right? They lost Taylor Hall. They're yep. trying to trade Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, they're not going to be a good hockey team. They're coming under new management. There's going to be all kinds of problems there. So those three teams, the Sharks can be better than those three teams. Calgary, there's problems there. They've invested in this coach that, you know, that seemed very strange. They made a long-term commitment to Jacob Markstrom, who's going to be better than what they had, but he wasn't so good that Vancouver wanted to try and keep him. So, and they just have fundamental roster issues. Like that team has problems. Okay, next Edmonton, big mess. Yep. Still, huge mess, huge, huge mess. And they couldn't get Markstrom, who they tried to get, and they couldn't get him. They're a mess. Okay. Next, Vancouver. They lost Markstrom. That's going to hurt. You know? Yep. Um, otherwise, that's that's a good up-and-coming team that I think completely overperformed in the bubble. But good up-and-coming team. Vegas is Vegas, right? Yeah, Vegas is good. Vegas is good. Okay. I mean, if I, I think I could convince you that the Sharks could be in the top three of the Pacific. If things break right, it's possible. Yeah, behind Vegas and Calgary? Vegas, I think it's Vegas and Vancouver. And then Vegas Calgary and, Vancouver, and the Sharks are in that Calgary. next tier. Because I just I don't buy Edmonton. Their goaltending stinks, their D stinks, and their roster composition stinks. And in and the Sharks have goalie problems and their roster depth stinks, right? But it's not like it's impossible for the Sharks to be back in the playoff picture this year. It's not impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not. So what's the best way for them to do that? Is that the goal? I mean, that's your question, right? What's yeah. the goal? Yeah. To be competitive or to develop players? Because I don't think you can do both at the same time. Yep. Many questions ongoing, dude, with this team. I guess uh, we'll have to understand. Wow, we're at 47 minutes. This is awesome. 
I love it. Well, it's going to be June, so it's going to be January first. Batman set. Okay. At the draft, January first. We don't know how. We don't know what the schedule is going to be. We don't know. You know, they're going to bubble, not bubble. We don't know all that, but we know he said January first. So I cannot wait, dude. Can't wait to watch the Sharks play. It's three months away. It's going to kill me to wait that long, dude. I, I, I'm ready. You ready? You ready for some Sharks hockey, dude? Based on how bad the 49ers were today, I'm ready. (laughs) And with that, we'll uh, leave you to next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and go Sharks. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.